The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Uh, today is a, another uh, uh, Stoic Jew interlude. Um, I want to share with you uh, something that I, I read over Shabbos. So I mentioned last week in the podcast that uh, the newest edition of Chakira, the um, Flatbush Journal of Jewish Law and Thought, uh, this is volume 29, uh, winter edition 2021. So this newest edition has an article uh, entitled Between the Stoikos and the Beth Midrash, a Philosophic and Ethical Comparative Analysis of Stoicism and Judaism by Stuart Rubin. So I read the article and uh, it was it was a nice article, uh, had a lot of uh, uh, nice sources, kind of like as an introduction uh, to some you know basic uh, comparisons uh, and contrasts between Judaism and Stoicism. Uh, but the part that I actually found the most interesting is he had a little section in there about the interactions or the views of the Stoics the, the major Stoic thinkers uh, of the Jews. Um, so he mentions that Epictetus really doesn't talk about Jews that much other than just mentioning um, certain practices like, uh, you know, uh, dietary laws and such. And then Marcus Aurelius doesn't mention the Jews at all. Um, you know, he, he uh, the author of this article mentions the um, the possibility that people speculate that Marcus Aurelius and Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi were friends, but he says that there's no way to confirm that. But the most shocking thing is apparently Seneca did have some views about the Jews, and they're not good. <laughs> and uh, the source he quoted was not from the writings of Seneca himself. Uh, I assume that if such writings existed, then the author would have quoted them. But he quotes from uh, Augustine, Augustine, I never know how to pronounce it, uh, of Hippo, uh, otherwise known as St. Augustine, from his book, The City of God, uh, which is his uh, philosophical book on uh, Christianity. Um, in book six, chapter 11 in, in its entirety is entitled, What Seneca Thought Concerning the Jews. Now, I don't really know about Augustine, and I don't really know the City of God, so this is like the only thing I'm reading here. Um, so I want to read two passages uh, really, maybe three, depending on how you count it. So, um, Augustine writes, Seneca, among the other superstitions of civil theology, also found fault with the sacred things of the Jews, and especially the Sabbaths, affirming that they act uselessly in keeping those seven days, whereby they lose through idleness about the seventh part of their life, and also many things which demand immediate attention are damaged. <laughs> okay, so, end quote. So he's, uh, Seneca did not like the, the concept of Shabbos, and said that, yeah, the Jews are basically like wasting a seventh of their life. But moreover, okay, this is again quoting Augustine, he says, when speaking concerning those Jews, he said, quote, this is Seneca, when meanwhile the customs of that most accursed nation have gained such strength that they have now been received in all lands, the conquered have given laws to the conquerors, end quote of Seneca, uh, an end quote of Augustine. And the author of the Chakira article has another quote, which I couldn't find, where Seneca bemoans the fact that, quote, the Romans have adopted the Sabbath. So, so Seneca didn't like the idea of the Sabbath uh, and disapproved of it in terms of the Jews keeping it. Uh, but he also was upset about the fact that, I guess, in some parts of Rome, then Romans had, had started keeping uh, the Sabbath. I, I don't know exactly, like, to what extent or in what form, uh, but he didn't like that either. 
So what I found really interesting about it is the thing he said that he didn't like about the Sabbath is exactly the reason that the Ramam gives for Shabbos in the Mor Nebuchim. Now, we, when we think of the purpose of Shabbos, we think of, you know, um, the remembering of the creation as the main idea or remembering uh, Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim, you know, the exodus from Egypt. Um, and, you know, there are a bunch of other ideas that we, uh, that we think of when we, when, when we think of the reason for Shabbos. The Ramam, though, says in the Mor Nebuchim, a uh, very short paragraph in uh, Book 3, Chapter 43. With regard to the Sabbath, the reason for it is too well known to have need of being explained, for it is known how great a rest it procures. Because of it, meaning because of the Sabbath, the seventh part of the life of every individual consists in pleasure and repose from the fatigue and weariness from which there is no escape either for the young or for the old. At the same time, it perpetuates throughout the periods of time an opinion whose value is very great, namely the assertion that the world has been produced in time. So the Ramam says, even before mentioning the idea of um, of the creation of the world, uh, the creation of the universe, he says that the reason for Shabbos is the fact that we get, uh, I mean, he doesn't use the word gift, but we get the gift of having one-seventh of our entire life spent in rest and repose and pleasure. Um, and that's exactly apparently what Seneca didn't like. Um, so I, I just find it, I wish I knew where Seneca talked about this and to see like what exactly is his, um, uh, is his, uh, his problem with this. I mean, you know, maybe it's just that we're so habituated to the idea that it's healthy to take a rest, but you know, the Ram says it's well known that it's a very beneficial thing to spend this time in rest and pleasure. Uh, and you would think that, that uh, if it was well known, you know, then, uh, you know, that is common sense that Seneca would have agreed, but apparently he didn't. Um, another point I want to make here is uh, there is a certain irony in the fact that Seneca was upset about the Romans taking on the Sabbath, because as we know, a non-Jew can voluntarily keep any of the mitzvahs of the Torah as long as they do it according to halacha. The only exception is keeping Shabbos, because Shabbos is described as an O.C. Ben Bnei Israel, as a sign between uh, God and Bnei Israel. And I did not actually look this up before I started recording. I believe I believe it is a Machlokas um, Rishonim. I want to say between the Rambam and Rashi, uh, Rashi on the in the Gemara Sanhedrin on whether it is um, uh, you know everyone holds that uh, a non-Jew cannot voluntarily keep Shabbos, but I believe. Someone can correct me, maybe. I believe there's a, a, a Rashi. Rashi holds that non-Jews are obligated to work all seven days. In other words, it's not just that it's a prohibition to keep Shabbos, but that they actually have to work. And the reason given is for the sake of industriousness. Um, and, uh, you know, I really should have looked at this Gemara ahead of time, but uh, I'm not going to stop the recording and start it again, look for the recording right now, or look for the Gemara right now. Um, the other thing that Seneca says, uh, sorry, that Augustine reports that Seneca says, uh, here's quote, uh, by these words, he, Seneca, expresses his astonishment and not knowing what the providence of God was leading him to say, subjoins in plain words an opinion by which he showed what he thought about the meaning of those sacred institutions. For, he says, those, i.e. the Jews, however, they know the cause of their rights whilst the greater part of the people, i.e. the Romans, know not why they perform theirs. So, <clears throat> end quote. So, Augustine is, is saying that Seneca basically, in criticizing the Jews and criticizing their laws, um, reveals a praise of the Jews as compared to the Romans. He says, the Jews know why they keep their sacred institutions. They are aware of the, the reasons and the causes, whereas the Romans apparently just did it mindlessly. So I thought that was an interesting praise, uh, the fact that the Jews know the reasons for why they do what they do. Um, 
One last uh, observation here uh, is, you know, on uh, Asara Batavis earlier in the year, uh, when I was talking about the differences between the Stoic view of fasting and the Jewish view of fasting, uh, I mentioned, uh, I read from Seneca's letter 18 on feasting and fasting, where he suggests the practice uh, where he says, quote, set aside a certain number of days during which you shall be content with the scantiest and cheapest fare with coarse and rough dress, saying to yourself all the while, is this the condition I feared? In, it is precisely in times of immunity from care that the soul should toughen itself beforehand for occasions of greater stress. And it is while fortune is kind that it should fortify itself against her violence. In the in days of peace, the soldier performs maneuvers, throws up earthworks with, with no enemy in sight, and wearies himself by gratuitous toil, in order that he may be equal to unavoidable toil. If you would have a man, if you would not have a man flinch when the crisis comes, train him before it comes. Such is the course with those men we have followed, who, in their imitation of poverty, have every month come almost to want, that they might never recoil from what they had so often rehearsed. <clears throat> you need not suppose that I mean meals like Timon's or pauper's huts or any device which luxurious millionaires use to beguile the tedium of their lives. Let the palate be a real one and let the coarse cloak, uh, let the bread be hard and grimy. Endure all this for three or four days at a time, sometimes for more, so that it may be a test of yourself instead of a mere hobby. Then I assure you, my dear Lucilius, you will leap for joy when filled with a penny worth of food, and you will understand that a man's peace of mind does not depend upon fortune, for even when angry, she grants enough for our needs. So that was Seneca advocating the practice of, of, imposing upon oneself artificial periods of poverty in order to prepare oneself for uh, for changes in fortune. You know, practice poverty and do it in a real way, not a, uh, uh, a superficial way, and do it frequently and for, for several days in a row so that you can confront your fears and say, is this, is this the condition that I feared? Now, that's talking about fasting, but the fact that he proposes such an experiment with regards to fasting would lead me to believe that he'd at least be open to the idea of other such practices. And if you went to Seneca and you told him, Hey, look, Seneca, uh, I know you don't care about the fact that the universe was created, uh, in time, you know, uh, that aspect of Shabbos you don't care about, but you know, as well as anyone that it is possible to lose your job. And if you lose your job, you're going to have to, um, you know, be in a situation where you're not working. Uh, and that, comes with lots and lots of fears and insecurities and anxieties. Well, if you, Seneca, advocate practicing these crises before they come so that you'll be prepared when they come, what do you think of the idea of practicing once a week not working and trusting in God you know, that, that you will have your sustenance and, uh, and not fearing, you know? Um, and again, this is something that in our generation, we, uh, you know, many of us are not in situations where keeping Shabbos runs the risk of losing our jobs. But let's say like our grandparents, you know, when they came over, that was a real, a real, uh, test that they had is, is that they had to, uh, you know, I've, I've heard that there were, there, it was not uncommon that a Jew would get a job on Sunday and then work and then get fired for uh, not keeping, uh, you know, for, for, for not going to work on Shabbos, you know, and that, that was a very common thing. And at the very least, we are we are training ourselves to not mindlessly pursue wealth for seven days a week. Uh, we're, we're forcing ourselves to stop and uh, and, you know, and have a day of reflection and learning and spending time with our family. And uh, and it's it's an artificial imposition in the sense that we're. We're not doing it out of practical necessity. In fact, we're doing it in the face of practical necessity. So I'm just kind of astonished that like Seneca would have such an attitude towards Shabbos. I mean, 
okay, fine. If he views it as uh, as corrupting the productivity of uh, of Rome, okay, I can understand that. But like, you know, I, I feel like uh, I feel like if if I had the chance to speak to Seneca and to talk to him about how how many ways keeping Shabbos is similar to the type of practices that he was talking about, and how you're really training yourself in certain perspectives and certain views and and certain ideas, and you're making those things real to you, I feel like there's at least a chance he'd be open to the idea. So anyway, found that interesting. Um, again, I'm assuming that we no longer have the writings where Seneca says this stuff. Um, if we did, then I assume the author of the Hakir article would have quoted it. But if anyone finds any uh, any other comments by Seneca or Epictetus or Marcus Aurelius about the Jews, uh, I'm very curious. Uh, uh, I guess uh, not a lot of those, those uh, views were preserved, but um, interesting topic. That is it for today's episode. If you've gained from what you've learned to hear today and would like to support my production of even more Torah content, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. The link is in the description. Thank you to my listeners for listening, and thank you to my patrons for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.